0: Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to gov.com or visiting this episode's description.
1: Welcome to Top Stories of the Week, presented by Girl on the Gov The Podcast.
0: This exclusive bonus episode drops on Tuesdays and gives you the four one one on the need to know political news and tea.
1: So as always, we'll keep you updated. Welcome back to top stories of the week. The last top stories before she goes on
0: vacation. A little the, vacay. A little the the news is going on vacay. A We're
1: little, taking a break. If
0: only. If only. No, know, but seriously. It never does, we're doing we're keeping the interview episodes rolling, rolling. Of so course, those will always. not be on break, but we are taking just a little top stories break because Maddie's added a job to her roster of Girl in the Gov jobs and adding mm-hmm. a whole nother one. I sure so I am. We're, we're trying to figure out just like time-wise how we balance everything. Time management. And that doesn't let me just say this. This doesn't mean anything's changing from Mm-mm. Without, you know, with the exception of obviously a few weeks of pop stories just going on break, she will be back. Mm-hmm. She will be back. Do not panic. But yes, the consulting, the viral, the newsletter, the girl of everything and nothing else will be Nothing's if, changing. you'll see our faces doing all the things. so, so we
1: have great interview episodes coming yeah, up yeah. in weeks to come as well and also like obviously if anything crazy happens in the news which like we can almost guarantee will happen it'll mm. be covered in intros for our wednesday episodes so you know we'll make sure to to cover everything that needs to be covered but yeah little little hiatus from top stories moving forward but we'll be back and we have some top stories to run through today. We really do. We really do. Well, kicking off, I just like saw this and I thought it was funny because oh god. Joe Biden really is just owning the age thing, which is just I'm really glad he's doing that because first of all, it's like genius. Like that's what you need to do if everyone's attacking mm-hmm. one thing, especially if it's something like that you can't change about yourself. Then you have to own it. You know what I mean? And he's just like serving jokes left and right about how old he
0: is. And I'm really proud of him, honestly, for it. You know what this reminds me of, though? From and the only, the only toasters will get this is when Claudia talks about Leah Michelle and the can't read scenario and how <laughs> if she just owned it from the get go, like it would be hilarious. And also, no one would even remember. I mean, slightly different situation, but I just, I do think that self awareness sells. And this is a great example of that, of being like, this is just who I am. Like, I I am old. I get it. It is what it is. And we're here for the jokes. I will also say he's always had a sense of humor. Like, you could say a lot of things about Joe Biden. He's funny.
1: He's funny. And I think, yeah, just like bringing that humanity to him is important because, hey, it also just like stops critics like in its tracks. Not that people are going to stop, you know, being worried about, you know, how viable he is as a candidate for his age, blah, blah, blah. But I think the more he owns it and can like make a joke out of it and be like, I'm here and I'm coherent and I'm making good jokes about it. Like, what are you going to say about the guy? But he basically made some jokes at an event. I think this weekend he was making jokes that he like served in the Senate for 270 years because I think the <laughs> church he was at, it's like a an old church and he was just like playing on like how they're the same age or something. <laughs> But yeah, somebody quoted too, just saying like Biden is doing exactly what he should be doing. He's embracing it and he's having fun with it. He's doing exactly what Ronald Reagan did, injecting humor and self-deprecation into it by saying the quiet part out loud. Everyone is in on the joke. He knows his age and he's not pretending to be somebody he's not. And that's the most important quality in a candidate, which I just feel like I couldn't agree more with. So facts, proud of this and the more he can do it. Again, I just think there's some some element to this, too, that like just really shows your coherence when you're like able to like joke and be witty and quick. Like,
0: yeah, you know, just I yourself. I totally agree with that. And I just think he's setting himself up to be not setting himself up to be relatable. He already has been relatable in a lot of ways, but he's just he's doubling down on it. Like he knows mm-hmm. what's worked for him over the years and he's his own quirky self and he just is himself.
1: Yeah. 100%. Love to see it, Joe. But getting into these top stories of the week, if you're ready. I'm ready, but I, I don't even know what you picked. So this is- This is element of surprise for Samantha. We really get to see her raw thoughts and emotions on these stories because- it's terrifying. I pick them, she reacts, and that's how we like it here <laughs> at Green
0: Grim- <laughs> Wait, speaking of those, there's this TikTok sound that's like- shows it's basically like someone being in a conversation and then they they're saying stuff and then they realize that they should like shut up like they're about to accidentally spill tea to like someone that they're not supposed to oh yeah but it just reminds you of this or sometimes like "Mm, they're not yeah
1: i mean it's like literally the way that we can't read past the first sentence of a story without we didn't even get to the first sentence of this Yeah, and already on some type of tangent, but we'll we'll get into this because we're talking about Congress and big tech because most Democrats and Republicans agree that the federal government should better regulate the biggest technology companies, particularly social media platforms. But there is very little consensus on how it should be done, which is so classic if you've ever Mm -hmm. watched any type of congressional hearing (laughs) towards any social media CEO our congressional members don't know shit about tech no so there's the problem in itself but the questions are should TikTok be banned should younger children be kept off social media can the government make sure private information is secure what about brand new artificial intelligence interfaces which I'm curious your thoughts because like AI mm. is taking over and it's scaring me me too or should users be regulating themselves leaving the government out of it So tech regulation is gathering momentum on Capitol Hill as concerns skyrocket about China's ownership over TikTok, and as parents navigating a post-pandemic mental health crisis have grown increasingly worried about what their children are seeing online. Lawmakers have introduced a slew of bipartisan bills, boosting hopes of compromise, but any effort to regulate the mammoth industry would face major obstacles as technology companies have fought interference. So noting that many young people are struggling, President Joe Biden said in his February State of the Union speech that, quote, it's time to pass bipartisan legislation to impose stricter limits on the collection of personal data and ban targeted advertising to children. We must finally hold social media companies accountable for the experiment they are running on our children for profit. Tech companies have aggressively fought any federal interference, and they have operated for decades now without strict federal oversight, making any new rules or guidelines that much more complicated. So a look at some of the areas of potential regulation, looking at children's safety, like we mentioned, several House and Senate bills would try to make social media and the internet in general safer for children who will inevitably be online. Lawmakers cite numerous examples of teenagers who have taken their own lives after cyberbullying or died, engaging in dangerous behaviors, encouraged on social media. Another thing is data privacy. Biden's State of the Union remarks appeared to be a nod toward legislation by Senator Ed Markey of Massachusetts and Bill Cassidy of Louisiana. That would expand child privacy protections online, prohibiting companies from collecting personal data from younger teenagers and banning targeted advertising to children and teens. The bill also reintroduced last week would create a er so-called eraser button. (laughs) allowing parents <laughs> and kids to eliminate personal data when possible the tiktok ban in china this is another one lawmakers introduce a raft of bills to either ban tiktok a or raft? Make it easy- The whole raft or make it easier to ban it after a combative March house hearing uh, in which lawmakers from both parties grilled TikTok CEO over his company's ties to China's communist government, data security and harmful content on the app. TikTok has launched an extensive lobbying campaign for its survival, including by harnessing influencers and young voters to argue that the app isn't harmful. And then artificial intelligence. So a newer question for Congress is whether lawmakers should move to regulate artificial intelligence as rapidly developing and potentially revolutionary products like AI chatbot, chat GBT, <laughs> begin to enter the marketplace and can in many ways mimic human behavior Senate leader Schumer has made the emerging technology a priority, arguing that the United States needs to stay ahead of China and other countries that are eyeing regulations on AI products. He has been working with AI experts and has released a general framework of what regulation could look like, including increased disclosure of the people and data involved in developing the technology, more transparency and explanation for how the bots arrive at responses.
0: Yeah, there's so there's much so here. Much. But I think and you kind of like hinted at this before, like the scariest thing to me is AI. The social media stuff to me, like, I'm not saying- almost like used to
1: it by now. It's like, it's been around for so long. We kind of know the pros and the cons of it.
0: Right. Like, I think, don't get me wrong. Do I think that certain regulations could help it for sure, especially in terms of data? Like, I I do Mm -hmm. think that there's use in and benefit to some of these things. I don't think a TikTok ban is the way to go, for example, but I do think that some sort of regulation on social media companies and tech companies in general is needed. I mean, they're like freaking Wild Wild West cowboys mm-hmm. out here, and it's very ridiculous and very scary. But I think the thing that scares me the most is AI, like totally. what that could do receiving a message. That is AI generated, thinking it's real than it seems, but it's actually not. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like the you, fakes.
1: There's just the first thing I think of with AI regulations. It's like just everything AI created should have to be labeled that it is a thousand like, percent. I think that's a really simple and easy and common sense regulation for this. Like there's just like even the pictures that can be generated of like a picture can be made of you doing something you never did. And that can put you in hot water and it doesn't show that it's AI generated. Like it can literally create a firestorm of fake news around something. Right. And that's obviously very problematic. But I think also like looking at jobs and like, yeah, people's jobs. And I think if brands or big companies are going to start using AI to kind of replace some of the things that little humans do. Yeah. I also just think first step
0: there's regulation. And then I just also like, this is a personal opinion, but I, as has are all of mine, but like, I do think there's always need for innovation and adapting and evolving. I think there are limits Mm -hmm. to this and there are so many times, and this is a great example where I go, why, like, what is so necessary? Like someone's arguing, oh, it improves. People's lives. No, it improves corporations' functionality. It, it improves, doesn't like, improves people's actual lives. It actually yeah. could harm lives more than I, I think it offers more harm than good in so many different ways. How the future of the mm. economy looks, how the future of people's lives will look. Like, I just don't see this know, as beneficial. Crazy. I like, think it's creepy. People have been making creepy. Robots taking over the world movies for how long? Exactly.
1: (laughs) Like, have we we not... Right. Have we not learned from... What's that Will Smith one? Anyways.
0: But there was also that one with the creepy doll or whatever that they were doing ads for a few months ago. And it was, like, this, like, girl got this doll that was, like, supposed to, I think, replace her friend. Something weird. And then it, like, ended up protecting her and, like, murdering everyone around her. It's like, I just... Long story short, I just don't think that this is, and I just feel like it's the way to go.
1: Use people, and we should be like,
0: humanizing more and yes, I, please, AIing like, yeah, less. And that's the, the thing
1: too, especially in this article talking about like social media and stuff. A lot of the reason like social media has had a detrimental effect on people's mental health is because it's like taking humanity like more and more out of. The equation of people's lives and like taking them out of more like actual in-person like socialization moments that are so right. crucial like so yeah i just think like this is another added element to that that is problematic and i mean i've seen tiktoks of like tutorials on how to generate like interview responses for a job interview it's like seems so fake and just a really slippery dangerous slope like i
0: can't i think yeah, really dangerous, really slippery, really not into it. I won't touch it for the life of me. Like I don't care if it takes me longer to do something. I just yeah. I'm not. I'm not into it. I don't stand by it. I have no what interest. Natural, natural. Yeah. Living. All
1: natural. <laughs> All natural, please. All of a sudden, Sam and I are poster childs for natural, wholesome, holistic living. Yeah. Yeah. This is also a good episode that we can start working on of just getting i feel like we haven't really had like a breakdown of like big tech and like some of these issues and legislation that can be made so definitely a pressing topic and especially just in this new kind of wake of like this weird threat of ai like popping up so big so we'll work on that for Mm y'all
0: and if if you're listening and you know yes. mm-hmm. someone working in that space that you're like, oh my God, that'd be perfect. Let us know. Let us send know. us a pitch. Also for any of our PR NMK. people that are listening, just refresh that for any pitches, send them to info at And if it's a fit, we will let you know and get back to you. For Thank sure. You. Next
1: story. Oh, you gave right. me the good one. I know because this is the one Sam sent me. So I'm like, I don't let her read it because I know she probably has commentary. I know she does, actually. So (laughs) next
0: one. What could I say? Okay, SCOTUS impeachments. We're getting into it. So groundbreaking revelations from ProPublica backed up by reporting from The Washington Post, The New York Times, and Politico has heaped scandal on Clarence Thomas's already stained reputation. Begging the question. What will it take to a pizza? No, but like literally. Great question. Like, I don't.
1: <laughs> no, literally. Like... I would love the answer to that.
0: Maybe this Same. article will provide it. I hope it at least gives us some clarity. <laughs> but the Supreme Court justices are given lifetime appointments ending when they either choose to retire or die. Or die. Choose to
1: retire or
0: die literally be dramatic this, this court. it
1: really is so morbid like no one talks about it
0: no i know like and they're in all black
1: They're like in yep. the little robes and it's like kind of satanic
0: <laughs> remember when we did that episode the yeah
1: <laughs> yeah and then also, he was like wait what's that
0: i'm like you yeah, haven't seen twilight get out of here speaking of did you see that they're doing like a twilight like spinoff series I think I did see that. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, no, me neither. It's I like, hate, don't I mess with that. the original. Don't, it's like, it, let's,
1: don't. like, remember when they tried, they did that. I wonder... is that Gossip Girl show still going? Like that new one? I think like, they
0: canceled it. They never touched it. it. Thank you. No, thank you. No. Same with Sex in the City. Like, can we not? Well, I don't,
1: I don't mind that. I kind of liked that just because I just okay, think that show's even. entertaining regardless. Obviously, it's not as good as like the main, r- like, real seasons, but. There's just something about sex in the city, like, I will be going back. And at least it's not like a new cast. Like, it's the same, same girlies. But yeah. Anyways. I don't know.
0: Nonetheless, nonetheless, the, I even, the constitutional, the transition there is just non-existent. I'm back so sorry. The constitutional a- process, please. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. That constitutional process for impeaching a Supreme Court judge is similar to impeaching a president or any of their civil officer. The House votes for impeachment. If it passes with a simple majority, Senate holds a trial with a two-thirds vote needed to convict. An impeachment must be substantively warranted, and on this point, the Constitution is vague. Article 2, Section 4 mentions treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors as grounds for impeachment, without further defining the latter. Otherwise, officers shall hold their offices during good behavior. That is so the de- good I'm behavior. I'm
1: definitely seeing the bribery, and I'm seeing touches of treason with the Clarence Thomas of it all. So I think we mm. have grounds here, folks.
0: I could not agree more. So mm. speaking of which, the grounds, shall we get yes. into a brief list? <laughs> Let's get into the grounds. Well-manicured grounds, okay? Brief list of Clarence Thomas's ethical misdeeds. By the way, we also have a TikTok. I started compiling these, so go check it out. Make that make that baby go viral. Thank you. Back to the misdeeds. Alleged sexual harassment. Thomas's confirmation hearing in 1989 included testimony from lawyer Anita Hill, who alleged that Thomas had sexually harassed her when she worked at the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission the incendiary hearings damaged thomas's chances but he nevertheless squeaked by on a 52 to 48 senate vote slim majority in the standards of the time and was confirmed as an associate justice on the supreme court
1: i totally forgot about this like i'll never forget anita hill's name but i didn't realize it was clarence mm -hmm. that was the the what's it called the slime bucket the slime bucket the perpetrator perpetrator but there's one word i'm thinking
0: of. Oh, I'm just, shoot. it's a monday i'm just gonna it's, stop trying we tried but i know i i know what you mean and i don't think i realized until the first scandal of clarence's at this day and age dropped mm-hmm. and then i was like oh like i don't think it's unfortunately like a point of history that well obviously should have had more focus on ever was for me because it wasn't on the ap test when i was in school because oh. it stopped at a certain <laughs> i think it stopped at the early 90s i don't know it stopped at a certain point and after that they're like eh. again not what i recommend as a way to teach things but just saying but like as if like could this have not been a bigger hint but it's like i mean he really set the groundwork for kavanaugh sexual oh, misconduct really? sexual assault yes yeah. just I money, mean, just fill whatever. the bench on mm. the bench i wonder
1: i wonder what their hangouts are like a lot of Bud Light and misogyny, but totally. anyway,s back to Clarence Thomas and his misdeeds. The grounds I'm right. for impeachment. Now we're on to
0: disclosing. Oh, sorry, not disclosing tens of thousands in luxury gifts and financial favors from a prominent conservative donor. The gifts from Harlan Crow over a period of two decades, and detailed on a report by ProPublica, was in an apparent violation of the Supreme Court's reporting requirements, raising questions about Thomas's conflicts of interest. ProPublica later reported that Crow bought bought three properties from Thomas and paid tuition for his grandnephew, Mark Martin, to attend an elite private school. Thomas did not disclose those payments. Now, this is where I just initially was like, Harlan Mm. Crow is a sugar daddy. 100%. And this is is like
1: the tuition thing is a relatively new piece of the puzzle that came out last week, right? And we talked about the Harlan Crow of it at all. A mm-hmm. few top stories back because first of all we're obsessed with his name, I'm not obsessed with him, just like think it's a really cool name. Max. But the initial story was like he's gone on all these really nice vacations with Harlan Crow, and Clarence Thomas was like he's just my friend, like we go on family vacations together. What's the deal, like? And I think that had a lot of gray area to it. Like there are excuses where he could be like, I just my friend planned a vacation, he's bringing me and some a group of friends. Like there are right. there are gray areas to to paint there but this why does your friend need to pay for your son's school like that's problematic as fuck and like I'll, it's so clear right what's happening
0: a thousand percent and also like then to the property element of purchasing his mom's home i don't know if that was mm. in this part of it yet or did i not get there regardless like oh yeah the three properties so an element of it's in here mm-hmm. like that same same vibe it's like yeah you know exactly that crosses the friend line for sure. No, it totally does. Like what friend does that? So weird. It's like, Mm -hmm. and especially it's not a scenario unless I'm totally wrong. And I don't think I am here where you have a friend that's down on their luck and you're helping their kid out because like, you know, they, whatever they really, you really want to. Is this a long-term
1: friend? That's just like a genuine friend who's been there for you forever. Or is this a friend who has, like, major conservative donor ties and, like, ties the political space into the work that you do? Yes. So, come on. Exactly. You are on the highest court in the land. And there are clear lines to cross with certain gifts that you take from people. Like, you deal with people's lives and people's literal rights, like, as your job. You got to be really careful about the people you interact with and the things you take from people because clearly yeah. there's an an influence piece there
0: that totally well that's actually the perfect segue to mentioning jenny in this whole thing and yes. i have to say i call this the pirate pile and then a just heinous sub bullet in the tiktok list of things but <laughs> like i just you know i need some alliteration and something in pirate pile is all i can come up with so you know it is what it is Anyways, potential conflict of interest about the political activism of his wife, Jenny Thomas, is very real here. Thomas refused to recuse himself from election-related cases, even as Jenny Thomas lobbied legislators to overturn the results of the 2020 U.S. presidential election in support of former President Donald Trump's untrue claims that he had won the election. Thomas was the only dissenting voice on a Supreme Court ruling on the January 6th committee in line with his wife's activism. Tens of thousands of dollars in clandestine payments to Ginny Thomas as well were in the mix here. In a 2012 exchange, Ginny Thomas received a payment via a nonprofit, the Judicial Education Project, which filed a brief to the Supreme Court in a landmark voting rights case later that year. The deal was reported by The Washington Post on Thursday, May 4th. She's also received some other sketchy, sketchy payments and so on. She's a sketchy, sketchy person. Totally. Also, and it will so forever he. crack me up that she used to be in a cult, and then now is in the Correct. cult of Donald Trump. Like it just, yeah. So, sometimes when the shoe fits, the shoe just really—it's like, wow, this was made for you. Culty personality for sure. Totally. Um, but, but the then, look, the two talk about a healthy marriage. They really have a lot in common, and it's they're just really being they the, really the sh- united front.
1: And yeah, for that reason, goals. <laughs> They really have each other's Screaming.
0: back. <laughs> creepy. <Screaming. laughs> Sorry, no, they're the worst. holders. No, they're literally maybe the worst couple of all time. They're up there. Mm-hmm. They're certainly up there. If we had to make a top 10 list, they'd be on it. Well, anyways, has a Supreme Court justice ever been impeached? I was curious about this. And there's a part in this. This is why I've sent this particular article to Maddie, because I was dying. And I just can't. Impeachment of federal judges is not unheard of, but Rare. The most common charges have been making false statements, favoritism to toward litigants or special appointees, intoxication on the bench. I'm dead at that. I'm literally Relatable. dead at that. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That'd be me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, uh, whoops, little litty. Yeah. With a Bud Light. It's fine. <laughs> or, sorry, IPA. That's honestly a bright Kavanaugh. He likes beer. That,
1: yeah. That. With a touch of. Sexual assault or harassment, of course. That's mm-hmm. Brett Kavanaugh's i going to say,
0: he's got it gonna... exactly. An abuse of the contempt power. Egregious crimes like sexual assault have also led to the removal of a federal judge. That's good. But <laughs> are Occasionally that happens. Yeah. In U.S. history, 15 federal judges have been impeached and eight removed from office, but others have resigned in the wake of scandal. According to Kimberly Wheel, a law professor at the University of Baltimore School of Law. There have been two attempts to impeach a Supreme Court judge. Neither ended in removal. The closest was in 1804 when Samuel Chase, nicknamed Old Bacon Face, was impeached by the House but not convicted by the Senate. Old Bacon Face. What do you cruel. have to do to be like? Make it so specific. We gotta. You know what I want say... We've never come up with a nickname that good. Ever. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think we're pretty creative, but like, clearly
1: I would, I would not be okay if someone called me that.
0: No. Okay. Hold on. I'm looking at his picture. I want to see if he looks like bacon. He really doesn't. Hold on. I'm sure the
1: 1804 portrait of him like wouldn't do him justice, but Mm
0: -hmm. he's actually not bad looking. Oh, can you send it to me? Yeah. Hold on.
1: No. Zaddy. <laughs> they were just jealous of him. Um How did he
0: get impeached for, though? I don't want to call him his audio. <laughs> <right now. laughs> that's, that's a good point. Let me also just explain the bacon face thing because there's a little bit of a thing here. So it was during his time as a member of the bar that his colleagues gave him the nickname of Old Beacon Face, either due to his proneness, don't know what that means, or for, oh, first, <laughs> keep reading, Samantha. Either due to his proneness for facial flush when angered or excited, or due to his general ruddy complexion in general. I don't... Mm. Well,
1: yeah, old bacon face. We, we love that was included in this article.
0: Yeah, that's, um, it really did it for me. But in terms of current events, any legislative attempt to impeach Thomas will have to begin in Congress. According to a list compiled by the New Republic, so far, 13 members of the House and Senate have called for Thomas's resignation or impeachment. 13? Come on, people. Like, this is... Okay, this is one of those things... Where, like, even if you think that there's no hope for it to happen, like, I feel like you as that's a representative should stand so up and
1: say. That. It's like, just, what do you think? Stop thinking about what everyone else is going to do or what everyone else is going to think. Like, that's how this body is supposed to function. Like, it shouldn't be all this, like, caucusing. And, you know, it's just, everyone, go up to the table. Say what you think. Let's tally right. up the votes see where we're at
0: yeah so it shouldn't only be a 13 like i think that yeah. is so and like what are they afraid of low.
1: like standing up especially democrats like what the fuck are you thinking what standing up against somebody who has sexual assault in their history it's clearly right. you know this bribery piece of the impeachment equation that needs to be there for impeachment to be considered is very clearly there I think the Jenny Thomas of it all is treasonous in ways, given her participation in the January 6th of it all.
0: Right. So I'm like. And here's one the thing. Plus one equals- like you're not getting, like, say you're going a jam in a kind of red-leaning district. You are not getting the MAGA voters. Like, stop worrying about them. Mm-hmm. Like you're and also I just feel like this with like all politicians. If you lose, you lose. Like Get a different job. Like, that's what I just feel like that's like such as this is especially like my feeling towards older elected officials, because that is such the mentality they have towards like us young people. Just get a job. Just get a job. And like that type of thing.
1: Like if this was a more progressive judge who had any type of maybe bribery or, you know, similar situation. Same damn thing. What would Republicans do? They would absolutely take this as far as they possibly could. And Democrats and the way that they function with the Supreme Court, obviously it's like not a partisan body, but it really actually is. The RBG of it all, like just the strategy around the Supreme Court is terrible. I mean, yeah. the fact that love RBG, why, why not step down? Why not, you know, allow Obama to appoint someone? It's just like
0: yeah I would
1: Be not agree more but speaking of this a little bit more too because we're talking about some updates on Diane Feinstein her mm. absence also kind of contributes even to the Clarence Thomas conversation just because if Senate wants Senate wants to take this up at all like they need her vote. And so Senator Dianne Feinstein said in a statement Thursday, she intends to return to the Senate from her prolonged medical absence, but still did not include an exact return date, which is not helpful in any way, shape or form.
0: I will say, Martha. I say, thank you. Thank you, yes. Professor Medved. I will say that my opinion on this issue specific to her has changed since yeah. initial thoughts. Continue. Yeah.
1: So White Matters, Feinstein, who has missed dozens of Senate votes since she was diagnosed and hospitalized with shingles in February, has faced calls to resign from fellow Democrats. Democrats who have called on Feinstein, a member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, to resign, have argued that her absence has made it more difficult for the party to confirm additional judicial nominees to the federal judiciary, which in many cases are lifetime appointments. What they're saying is that Feinstein, who is 89 and plans to retire at the end of her term in 2025 so here i don't know why that's so triggering like it's only no, two I... years away less but like jesus i don't know something about that seems really futuristic looking at those numbers together yeah defended her absence on thursday noting that the committee advanced eight judicial nominees during her absence with varying degrees of support from Repu- from republicans Quote, I'm disappointed that Republicans are blocking a few in committee, Feinstein said in a statement. I'm confident that when I return, we will be able to move the remaining qualified nominees to the Senate floor for a vote. Feinstein said in early March that she was released from the hospital and would continue her recovery with
0: at-home care. I will asterisk this one thing. is I do think the fact that even with COVID, the Senate has not updated its policy of how to function with any like remote element is a little amiss. Like Congress did al- allow, totally. Congress did allow representatives to what was, it was a specific way of voting. Yeah. Like, yeah, like they're able to vote while not there. And yeah. I think there is like, if you can watch the hearing on C-SPAN or whatever, or if it's not televised on C-SPAN, you're a Senator and able to therefore access the hearings that, and testimony remotely, you should be mm-hmm. able to vote on it remotely as well. Like I don't, 100%. there's this should not be a scenario. This is such an easy solve. The you know what is I mean?
1: Not efficient, which is crazy, given that they, they're such a smaller body. So it's like, right? You really should be able to be more efficient than the House, so it has fucking 500 whatever people. So, yeah. Anyways, Democrats have said that several federal judge nominees have been unable to advance during Feinstein's absence, as Republicans would not likely support them, according to AP. In mid-April, Feinstein also said she would return, quote, as soon as possible once my medical team advises that it's safe for me to travel. The big picture, Senate Judiciary Committee Chair Dick Durbin, who is Democrat from Illinois, said on Thursday that the committee will also be unable to proceed with a new ethics reform bill for Supreme Court justices until Feinstein's return, CNN reports. So the reform bill would be in part response to a series of ProPublica investigations into undisclosed gifts and deals Justice Clarence Thomas made with Republican megadonor Harlan Crowe, which we just chatted about. ProPublica reported on Thursday that Crow made private school tuition payments for Thomas's Grand nephew, and the previous reports about the luxury trips. So I just I can't with this. This really just has like Nancy Pelosi written all over it. Oh, that's not what I thought you were gonna say. But okay, I just because again, it's just like back to our first conversation about this whole thing that this has a lot to do with the Senate race in California. Almost everything to do with it, right? Because if she steps down or resigns, then Gavin Newsom, as promised, will appoint a black woman to replace Dianne Feinstein, which again, there'll still be an election for the seat, but likely how politics works, the person appointed and gets that name recognition and is already in the seat is probably going to be voted back in. So it will kind of like scrap this big Senate race that's anticipated in California. And I think I have so many thoughts, like so many from the money that's getting poured into this race to, you know, it's just like there's so many interests at play. And I think also Nancy Pelosi endorsing Adam Schiff and wanting him to be be the guy. If Diane Feinstein steps down, that will almost completely take away her plan that, there.
0: Yeah. That plan. I I do agree with that. I think also like where I've personally felt a shift, it shifts. Nice. Thanks. Nice. The shift on this is these statements from Feinstein, like Feinstein, Feinstein. I'm such Feinstein. a bad Jew. Feinstein. Like they started in March. It's May 8th. Like, we, mm-hmm. like, if this were one of those things, like at first I really felt I was like, okay, guys, give her an extra week. Jesus Christ. Like, let sure. her, like, recover. Like, that's how I really felt it was. Yeah. And I, and I felt like, and I still do, like, I, if this is going to be the energy for her, I hope when it's a dude that it's the same energy for them as well. I'm just going to put that out there. But I do think that, like, again, it's not. This hasn't been just like a week of like, okay, guys, like let her rest at home. Like she has jingles, she'll be back next week. It's important, but it's fine. This has been almost two months of this now at this point, and it's like with no end date. We are now running out the clock, no date and for that's a problem. Ball ballpark
1: yeah, date from her team and her doctors, like that means that it's still indefinite of like what her recovery is going to look like when she'll be able to like that. Like usually if you are on a good recovery plan and things are looking good for your health, like your doctors will be able to like generally say when you're going to be ready. Right. And that's not even being provided, which makes me think that she's not close to recovery. So yeah, it's just... This, I don't know, I think the pressure needs to keep being, keep being put on. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, this all seems really political to me. It has from the jump and 2025 also, even if you recover, you're still going to have to be good until the end of your term in 2025. So if her health is deteriorating, like, right. Pray for her i want her to be good but like just i don't see her being back in full force regardless like it's just
0: no because even if it's just beyond like the legislative process is beyond just voting on something or marking something at the committee like it really requires that elected to also be lobbying other people and going to all of these events and having and talking to people and talking to constituents and there's that is exhausting. I'm not going to take that away from anyone 100%. on any side of the party or on any side of the aisle. But like, I do think like at this point, like even then if she does go back, say it's June, right? Say it's June, she goes back. Then what's to say that she doesn't have another similar medical emergency type thing and God bless her, but then she's back home again and then we're doing like rinse, yeah. repeat, rinse, repeat. So I just, I do think Like I said, if this had been one of these scenarios, which I initially thought it was, of like, guys, give her the week, my God, like, fine, then whatever. But this is now turning into something that's really holding up democratic reforms. And Mm -hmm. also, I think- In a time when we have power and it could go away. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. We need to take advantage of every single thing. And I think Mm -hmm. we always talk about how, like, the Dems aren't proactive. They're usually super defensive- In terms of how they pass things and how they look at legislating and getting these judicial nominees across the finish line is actually proactive and making sure that happens while we're able to do so. So while they're not doing, I don't think the Dems are doing a good job of that strategy across the board in this particular situation. I do think that is a thing. Lord have mercy is all I can Mm -hmm. really say. Yes, agreed. Let's be in the Senate. We got to talk about Ted Cruz. Big, big news, big mm-hmm. news. Mm-hmm. because senator ted cruz hoping to avoid a reprisal of this 2018 close call as he preps for a potential general election challenge from representative colin allred from texas what could be one of the most expensive races on the senate map next year i already just screaming hollering hooting and all that i still can't believe like even if you well you know what I can't believe I you know what you have those things where like you can and you can all at the same time like Ted Cruz I don't care how Republican you are he is a literal cockroach he is a snake de la snake okay Mm -hmm. I don't understand how you could like be like
1: that's my guy I will say like this article gets into a little bit like what you know this race could look like it looks favorable for for Ted Cruz obviously but like I gotta I you gotta think like to that vein that same vein that like there's got to be some at least more moderate Republicans who fucking hate the guy. You know, like Greg Abbott saying. is one thing. I think Greg Abbott is still terrible. But like the way he moves isn't like as Ted Cruz-y. So that like if you are a voter, like you're just kind of voting for the guy you know is your governor versus right. like Ted Cruz has this like name and reputation to him that might hurt him. But I don't know.
0: We'll get it. Like, he just, get into like even Republicans saying. don't like him. Like he's kind of that guy. I also yeah. think – to i but again like if you're a diehard republican you're just gonna vote ticket anyways you know who do you mm-hmm. what do you care i, I mean guess, the thing but... is
1: too like this campaign's gonna have a lot of fun regardless because there's so much fucking yeah. tea against this campaign. <laughs> and so At much 100%. like messaging and shit the attack ads and the oppo like messaging around this guy is gonna be it's gonna be fun for like, the the literally pass the popcorn <laughs>
0: yeah. pass the popcorn i also got think material that you know, this is one of those ones where I could very, I look, I hope that Colin Allred pulls it out and absolutely wins for sure. But I do think that Texas politics can be like sometimes a mystery, especially for us on the outside. And we did an awesome episode actually about that more specific to state-level politics, but a few weeks ago, so go check that out. But regardless, like this does give that vibe of like, you know, like just being like, an outsider of Texas and being like, oh my God, like this is Excited. gonna be great. Slam, dunk, blah, blah, blah.
1: Okay. Here is us okay. getting into our thoughts like before we read the article, but one more thought from my end is that regardless of what happens in this race, because of all the investment that's gonna go into it and the attention, like I think it's definitely going to be a race that regardless of if he wins or loses will push the needle really far in Texas of like getting new voters registered, like kind of shifting and shifting things more blue, like just kind of like the way some of these big races do and have done in Texas in Arizona and Georgia, like they move the needle and it's, it's, it's going to be one of those races that contributes to kind of like the long game of like, how can we change Texas? So regardless, I think we'll get a win there, but Sam run us through kind of what this race might look like.
0: Yeah, let's get into it. Democrats are hoping the race emerges as a rare competitive contest for GOP-held seat in 2024. But Cancun Cruz, the two-term conservative firebrand, is looking to make his narrow 2018 win in a knockdown-dragout fight, the exception and not the rule. Cruz said, I feel very confident about this election told The Hill in a brief interview. I fully expect for the Democrats to spend $100 million in nasty attack ads because today's Democratic Party is angry and they want to express that rage. But for my end, I'm going to keep the race about our substantive record of hate. He didn't say the hate. I'm just saying. I'm adding. I'm ad-libbing. And our vision's for the state of Texas. What is his his record?
1: What's his legislative record look like? Hmm? What solutions mm-hmm. are you putting forth in the Senate, Ted Cruz? I'd love to know, besides just full-blown cock-locking and
0: bigotry and,
1: and he taking, also has, taking of major special interests money
0: he's also know. like known for specifically voting against things and then if it passes like for example like bipartisan infrastructure law that type of scenario and then like acting like he took part in making it happen it's like very yeah. much his mo very much his so, personality. and don't quote me on the specific bill i'm just using it as an example i can't remember what he voted on that but just saying Thankfully for Cruz, the situation has changed drastically from 2018 to this cycle. Heading to his first re-election campaign, Cruz was fresh off his 2016 presidential bid, I forgot about that, and his high-profile wars with former President Trump, all which put him behind the eight ball back home. The polling shows as much. According to the University of Texas' tracking of his job approval, Cruz is sitting at 45%, figure that has remained relatively static throughout his second term. Throughout the 2018 cycle, Cruz was mired between 38 and 40%. He also had a uniquely strong opponent that year in rep, then rep, Beto O'Rourke, who married a message of unity and anti-Cruz sentiment among Democrats and independents and a fundraising prowess that was unmatched to create a perfect storm against the Texas senator. Cruz, however, unfortunately survived, but he won by less than three percentage points, virtually ensuring he won't be caught flat-footed as a battle with red looms ahead. Allred, is an ex-NFL player, laid out his opening argument in a rollout video last week and targeted Cruz for his push to overturn the 2020 election results for traveling to Cancun in February 2021 while the state was paralyzed by a deadly winter storm. I will never forget that video. I will... Videos. Videos. Allred slipped and also the release of the text thread with Cruz's wife about Mm. what they were doing, all that iconic I flipped what was then a competitive district from red to blue in 2018, and the nonpartisan election forecaster Cook Political Report shifted the Senate race from solid Republican to likely Republican. Interesting. However, Cruz and Texas Republicans have a number of arrows in their quiver heading into the 2024 contest. Texas remains a right-leaning state, as evidenced by the party's success across the board in 2022, headlined by Governor Greg Abbott's 11-point re-election victory over O'Rourke. That is wild. The GOP has been buoyed by increased support across South Texas. Republicans also argue that they have an issue advantage heading into 2024 because the most important items in the state remain the border and the economy. Not good. The concern... Not... Or abortion. Not gun violence. Hmm. Yeah. The concern I'd have, if I'm all right, is the most important issues in Texas aren't a lot of Democratic issues, one Texas-based Republican strategist said. Noting the leading topics are those two and not much else. He's got a math problem in the state. And He's got an issue problem when two thirds of voters are saying order in the economy. I'm trying to see what his issue lane is going to be rather than attacking Ted relentlessly. Relentlessly, the strategist continued. Ted would have to do something Cancunish to start a snowball effect. I just don't know that he's going to fall into a trap like that. I mean, I don't see I've that being thoughts. out of his wheelhouse because Cruz is Cruz, but I, here's the thing. Okay okay
1: this is kind of goes back to my original thought like just the popularity of ted cruz like even probably amongst some moderate republicans like can't be great i know they're saying he has 45 percent approval rating but like that's also like lately when he's not in the midst of a campaign not in the midst of like a campaign attacking him and reminding voters like all the shitty things that he does like i think once that gets going like that could actually really shift like public perception of ted cruz and remind people like how annoying and bad he is versus like abbott doesn't have those like big kind of scandals the way that ted cruz does so like it makes sense why abbott again was like had such a victory but again it's the same exact electorate not the same exact but it's the same race like a senate and governor's race same same group but yeah, I don't know. I kind of think that almost the voters need to be reminded of the Ted Cruzisms, Ted Cruzisms, and I think that could that could go far in kind of chopping away some of that approval rating because again, like he's not in the news very much lately. He's not doing much. He's just kind of being himself and probably staying out of trouble. But again, if he does something scandalous, Cancunish, I love this quote, or so you know, bad. again, just the. Opposition messaging is really good. Like it can remind people how terrible he is and kind of chip away at that and potentially get back to like 2018 levels of hatred towards Ted Cruz. But but um, I also
0: I think it's more complicated than that because we have a mutual on TikTok that is a Texas voter. and She's like an activist and she was breaking down in her area, not just registered voters, but like registered voters are actually turned out to vote. And it's like such a low amount like there are so many registered voters and whatever particular which is good she's though yeah. like that which is great but then they're more... not turning out and so i think it's like a voter engagement and a voter turnout issue too like it's totally. that's always and I think... an issue in
1: texas but that should give democrats a lot more hope and i think that's why everyone like looks at texas and has hope every election and yeah. that's like a disappointment but, but then because, it's again, also there's like this weird lack of investment but there's also so much at the same time it's like not the right type of investment maybe like we just need to yeah, literally clone that's Stacey what it is like i don't know so but also like Cece's
0: never won you know what i mean
1: like, well not her as a candidate like as a organizer and like
0: yeah okay you know? facts. and i think but i can't remember who we were talking about this with like maybe i don't know we've definitely talked about this with more than one person too so it just sometimes blends together so apologies if you're that person love you But like the fact that there is a lot of outside investment to a candidate and especially a candidate last six months of their race and it's all like big ads, but it's not for like on like on the ground resources and the Mm -hmm. infrastructure in between elections isn't like set up in like all of that. And I just think that is a huge freaking issue and we're never going to win if we don't like do the homework.
1: Yeah, well, I also think, too, the strategist talking about the issues is an interesting piece of it because the economy and immigration – this is coming from a Republican strategist, so I don't know know, who his pollsters are or what the deal is there. Not that I even subscribe to what pollsters are saying very much. I think – There is a lot of discrepancies with some of the things that pollsters come up with of like where voters are at. I think obviously there's some that are really accurate or have a decent pulse, but I don't think they really know. And that's the thing that's frustrating is that campaigns get built on what really pollsters come up with of like what people care about. I just don't know that they really know. Whereas like if you really were to get a decent landscape, like there's no way that like a lot of young voters and women and people who like aren't normally reached aren't caring about abortion or gun violence and it's like the same thing happened in 2022 like the row literally got overturned that year and pollsters and pundits were saying that you know abortion really wasn't going to be that big of a mobilizer for people and it sure as hell was so i'm like i don't know i think this campaign can potentially go a certain way if it's again played the right way but I don't know. I think there's a lot of potential here, but no, if you're be, looking like, at like the status quo of politics and political yeah. strategists and how op- like these political operatives' minds work, like Ted Cruz definitely has a major leg up, but if you're actually talking about the people of Texas and what they might want and like actually getting people to turn out, like this could this could be an interesting race.
0: I agree with that. I also like this is such a I don't know, experiments, like we're not going to see this necessarily happen, but I would just love to see what the result would be. Like if given all this gun violence, if a candidate like Colin Allred, like just ran on gun reform, what would happen? Like, I know obviously Texas is big on second amendment and yeah, all of that, but I, I am curious. Like, it's like the like what would be that result?
1: Yeah. But that's I mean the thing I think, too that's like I'm... again exciting about races like this is that it kind of is an opportunity to whether it's this election or a future one, it unlocks different kind of pathways of like how Texas can change like in the future or whatever. So it'll be interesting to see just regardless mm-hmm. what happens here. But yeah. yeah, I think if played right, like he does definitely have a shot. It's Ted Cruz, like right. Remind the voters how shitty he is and reach somewhere they're at. Unlock a new group of voters, too. There's pathways for sure.
0: No, totally. I also think like because and you're kind of saying this, like it's Ted Cruz, like it's not John Cornyn, who's the other senator from Texas. Mm -hmm. Like there is so much more of a shot because like, first of all, you could even say you can argue like John Cornyn was one of the main people that made sure that the gun legislation of last year Happened, even though obviously it's not as comprehensive as we need. Has very much obviously seen this past weekend and like every freaking day in this year. But like, I think he's a tougher like
1: dude. To I kick think to the Ted power. Cruz arguably has the worst PR than any senator potentially. Lindsey Graham. I think maybe Mitch McConnell is worse, but Ted Cruz is like got to be up there.
0: Yeah, because he's. Like I was saying for like even like his colleagues don't like him. Yeah. And I think that that has like a certain genetic quality. And I remember yeah, actually it's like, like had a Ted Cruz has to hit the too. campaign
1: trail and Ted Cruz has to speak to people and also convince them to like him and vote for him. And I don't have much hope in him being an inspiration to many people as well. So seeing him kind of take the campaign trail and get in campaign mode too is going to be Interesting, and I think that's again another thing that helps the the All Red campaign is that Ted Cruz has to talk to people.
0: <laughs> yeah, I he has to I show totally face,
1: agree. which I don't think many people love that face. So
0: no, there's something. There are certain people that are <laughs> just so yeah, exactly. I think like,
1: anyone, both sides of the aisle, can agree it's a punchable face,
0: punchable face for sure. Oh my god! Wait, also just one more comment before we go. And it's a little bit of a shout out to her newsletter that dropped this morning, or if, honestly, it might have been like 11:58, so this afternoon is debatable. But regardless, there is a hilarious video of Matt Gates prepping Ron DeSantis for the 2018 debates, and we've got like Matt Gates and flip flops. It's a little like scarring and jarring, but it's also hilarious, and and Ron DeSantis in it too. He had his mannerisms are very like Trump's mannerisms, like they're like this like very strange mm, weird and I was like yeah and I was like this is funny like oh, yeah. totally and but then also seeing like Matt Gates and flip-flops like there's something about men and flip-flops that's so such an ick like it. Matt Gates is an ick as a human okay but like flip-flops and men I don't know what you typically see
1: especially men that you typically see like in suits like I don't know. Not, I think politicians should be seen more in like regular civilian clothes. Like I, I'm sure that helps them, but like you got to play it right. Like Ron DeSantis with the boots or don't wear sandals, period, point blank. I forgot about the boots. And then I had
0: like the white boots that are actually kind of similar. <laughs> and that was one of those things I posted and it didn't get as much like love. And like someone was like, I forget like someone commented something not realizing like clearly what I was doing was a joke. It was just like one of those ones where I was like, why did not this land better? I thought this was hilarious. (laughs) Anyways, Anyways,
1: those are our top stories of the week. We will be back in a few weeks with top stories as a reminder,
0: but we do have a fresh epi tomorrow. We do have a fresh epi and it's an Arizona-focused episode with Alex Gomez. She is the executive director at Lucha. So we're getting into all things Arizona. If you're an Arizona resident, voter, I don't know, friend of the state, whatever, this is definitely going to be a good focus for you. But I think in general, like this is every single presidential election cycle, all eyes are on Arizona. And also in the midterms too, this past time as well, but all what all eyes are on the What's going to happen? How does it work? Like what Maricopa County, ah. This will give you like some background. We do want to do more Arizona-focused episodes. We will have that in the hopper, but this gives you a little taste as to what's going on over there and just the background so i will also say one more thing if you live in i was gonna if you live in a state i mean most of you probably live in a state i know we have some international listeners so you know i guess it gets funky but if you live in a state that we haven't done a state or local focus on yet and you're like oh my god Guys, can you please like give us some eyes on what goes on in this state or just like how everything operates? Let us know. We've done one a little bit for Missouri, for Texas. We're trying Arkansas. We're trying to go through and make sure we hit all of the states so that we at least have like a little taste the rainbow moment of like what politics looks like across all fifty. So speaking of rainbow,
1: got out of Hawaii to that list. You can't forget about Hawaii politics. I haven't touched it whatsoever I know absolute sliver not a keeping up with the candidates come on come on girl I know we <laughs> Are you <yelling> <laughs>
0: I'm under I attack. <laughs>
1: I'm no saying. I really do too and it is I don't know why I like recently been thinking about that lately I'm like no we soon not that I like can think like obviously Hawaii really keeps itself out of the political conversation but like there's got to be so much to dive into like we definitely need to cover it
0: well, they're a pretty progressive state too. Like mm-hmm. what I do see is like pretty like on it and I'm like, oh, okay, Hawaii, pop
1: off. Like Sam said, slide into our DMs with any guest suggestions. And again, if there's a state that we haven't given as much love to, and we obviously want to, so just send some sh- suggestions over our way. But we will be talking to you all tomorrow. to Delu Hey girls.